Welcome to the Mariners Cast, presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is Friday, October 13th. Mariners are obviously uh, in the offseason. Today will be our uh, first base analysis episode uh, on today's Mariners cast. I will cover and give grades to Ty France, Mike Ford, and Dominic Canzone. I include Canzone in the first baseman because I believe that's potentially his position moving forward. I will address uh, the free agents who are available uh, on uh, the 2023-24 free agent market at first base. And I will offer a uh, few trade candidates and assess whether I think they are worthy of trading for uh, by giving up some of the pitching depth. And by pitching depth, I mean primarily Logan Gilbert, Bryce Wu, Bryce Wu, Bryce Miller, or Brian Wu. Uh, and then I'll give a conclusion for what I think the Mariners should do at first base moving forward. So let's start with Ty France. Uh, Ty France is 29 years old. He is arbitration eligible uh, this season. He is going to be a free agent in 2026. Ty France was an underdog drafted in the 34th round by the San Diego Padres in 2015. Uh, he was acquired by the Mariners. He's 5'11", 215. I think we're all pretty familiar with Ty France at this point in time. Uh Slightly above average defensive first baseman, uh, high contact, um, lesser power sort of first baseman. I've compared him in the past to a right-handed Mark Grace. I think that's uh, sliding Mark Grace a bit. He wasn't horrible. He's left-handed first baseman for the Cubs and the Diamondbacks uh, in the 90s. In any case... Ty France was a huge disappointment um, this season. He hit 250 with a 337 on base, a 366 slug, and a 703 OPS. He did this in 665 plate appearances. In those plate appearances, he only hit 12 home runs, 79 runs, 58 RBIs, one stolen base, good for a 104 WRC+. That is your starting first baseman in 2023. 12 home runs, 250 average, barely a 700 OPS, and you gave him 665 plate appearances. 6.5% walk rate, that ranked him in the 24th percentile. 17.6% K rate, that is pretty low, um, much much lower than major league average. 10.7% swinging strike rate was the highest of his career. He hit left-handers better than right-handers, 280 average versus lefties, 718 OPS, 240 average against righties. Remember, he hits against righties more often than lefties, 240 with a 698 OPS against right-handers. Some people have said, you know, it's difficult to hit at T-Mobile Park. Um, the numbers say, that it can be at times, specifically for power at home, 
Ty France this season, 260 with a 756 OPS. On the road, where it's supposed to be easier to hit, 242 with the 652 OPS. So in 2022, Ty France hit 274 with a 774 OPS in 613 plate appearances. He had 20 homers and he finished with a 125 WRC plus. That is 25% better weighted, weighted runs created than the league average. You will live with 274 and 20 home runs at first base. It is not optimal at first base. It is decent production. In 2021, he hit 291 with an 813 OPS. 650 plate appearances, 18 home runs, and a 129 WRC+. Those two seasons in 2021 and 22, where he's hitting, you know, 270, 280, 290, about 20 home runs, that is what I would consider acceptable. It's not great. I think you look for more thump, uh, more impact from your first baseman than that. But it was acceptable. I think that's a good word to use for Ty France for those two years. And that's kind of how we spoke about him, especially because he was uh, as affordable as he was. This year, he goes in the tank. 12 home runs and 665 plate appearances in a 250 average. He hit fewer ground balls than he had since 2020. He hit more fly balls than he had since his rookie year in 2019. His pull rate was highest since 2020. So whether this was intentional or not, he was his batted ball profile looked like he was trying to hit more pull side home runs, which for Ty France, I don't believe is the right approach. His average exit velocity was 87.5 miles an hour, which ranks him in the 18th percentile of all of baseball. His launch angle was higher than it had been in the last three years, meaning he hit the ball in the air more. His barrel rate, 6.8%, 34th percentile in baseball. Hard hit rate, 38.4%, 35th percentile in baseball. So you're talking about a hitter who was hitting in the two between 270 and 295 hitting for some power when the opportunity presented itself and was a an acceptable first baseman on this Mariners team. This last season, again, it looked like he was trying to hit for a bit more power and he won in the tank, 250 with 12 home runs. He still is making very good contact at 89.1% in the zone. He chases about 5% more than league average. That's something that he's done over his career quite a bit, but I think that number is, is higher than it should be. His chase contact, 54.9%. That is 3.1% less than league average. So he's chasing more and making less contact on those chases than league average. Last season, 2022, his chase contact was better. It was even better than that in 2021. So his ability to make contact with pitches outside of the zone is declining or decreasing. And he's still chasing a ton. His swing percentage was the highest of his career. He's just, he's a player who should not be 
swinging for the fences. He may run into some home runs or he might find a pitch where he takes a big cut, but he should be trying to hit for average. He should be trying to go gap to gap because that's what he's good at. And I think he lost sight this year of what he does well. Um, And he had a terrible season. There's no real way around it. Uh, So I, I queried in my database for the list of first basemen who hit 250 with 12 home runs this season, because that's what he did. I think his true talent is above that, but that's what we're working off of last season. So I queried for first baseman with a 250 average and 12 home runs, and it gave me 25 players. There were 25 players who hit for the same or better average and the same number or better of home runs than Ty France this season. That list includes names like Wilmer Flores of the Giants, Brandon Belt of the Toronto Blue Jays, Tristan Casas, rookie first baseman for the Red Sox, Josh Naylor, Spencer Steer, Christian Encarnacion Strand in a lot fewer plate appearances, Brandon Drury, Ryan O'Hearn, scrap heap dude on the Orioles, Justin Turner, old as dirt, Boston Red Sox, Lamont Wade Jr., Alec Baum, Andrew Vaughn, Garrett Cooper, Dominic Smith, another scrap heap guy. So the point is the production that Ty France provided last season was production you can get from just about any dude off the street if you give him those that number of plate appearances. That is not a championship first baseman. It's just not. He's 29. I think he still has a few good years in him. His projected salary for 2023, according to uh, MLB trade rumors, is $7.2 million. That is acceptable. Um, Could the Mariners use that money elsewhere? Probably. But I, I think if you can get the type of production that the Mariners received from him in 21 and 22 at $7.2 million, you will take that. So the question that needs to be answered is will Ty France in 2024 be the player that he was in 21 and 22 or is Ty France the player that he was in 23 last season? His WRC plus was 129 in 21. It was 125 in 22 and it was 104 last season. If he's the player that he was last season, he is beyond replaceable. Beyond replaceable. Like, he didn't slug 400 against any type of pitch. 373 slug against the fastball, 350 against the breaking ball, 387 against the offspeed. It's terrible. He chased more. He made less chase contact. He swung more. He hit more fly balls. He pulled more fly balls, but he did it with no impact whatsoever. There was a lot of conversations amongst the Mariners about Ty France going to driveline this offseason. I don't think that's something you can take lightly. We saw the impact that uh, training with driveline had on J.P. Crawford. And I think that Ty France can get back to the player that he was if he dedicates himself this offseason to becoming that player again. 
So for now, I'm giving his 2023 performance a D grade, D as in despicable, D as in disposable. He was, there's no way around it. He was terrible. However, when I answer the question whether the Mariners should offer Ty France arbitration, I know I was an emphatic no on previous podcasts. After looking at the free agent market, after thinking about trade opportunities or trade uh, ideas, and thinking about what he's being offered dollar-wise potentially, plus the potential for him to get better with something like driveline, I'm going to say that I think the Mariners should offer him arbitration this season. I'll explain more why as we dig into the market later on on this podcast, but 2023 grade is a D, but I would offer him arbitration. We will come back to him in a minute. Mike Ford, left-handed slugger, uh, primarily DH, but I'm including him in the first base group, 31 years old, 6 feet, 225, left-handed hitter. He hit 228, 323, 798 OPS. He slugged 475. 251 plate appearances, 16 home runs. That was good for a 123 WRC plus. 9.6% walk rate, 32.3% K rate, 30.4% whiff rate, which is 5.6% above league average. Uh, 21 per degree launch angle, definitely swinging for the fences. 17.3% barrel rate, that's very high. He hit almost 50% fly balls and 45% of them of, of the balls hit were pulled. So you you are talking about a three true outcome, short, stubby, chubby, fat, if you want to call him that, left-handed slugger, straight out of, you know, central casting, right? Uh he hit 215, 304, 784. OPS against right-handers in 24 plate appearances. He did hit well against lefties. I don't think he's going to play against left-handed pitching. He started five of his games at first base, very few games at first base. The biggest thing, so we know he's a pole fly ball hitter. We know he's selective. We know he's a three true outcome guy. Uh, We know that he's 123 WRC plus. The biggest thing that stands out for me, and I guess the biggest reason why I question whether to bring him back next season, he faced 41% breaking balls versus breaking balls. He hit 167 with a 306 slug versus off-speed, 19% of the time, 208 with a 479 slug. So 167 and 208 against breaking balls and off-speed. Versus fastballs, 40% of the time, 286 average and a 602 slug. Mike Ford is a dead red pole fly ball hitter, and there is no way around it. If I'm an opposing pitcher and I look at these numbers, I am only throwing him a fastball when I absolutely have to. And even then, I'm trying to make sure that I do not throw it for a strike. 
because it looks to me as if that is the one pitch that he can hit. Um, he does a tremendous amount of damage, 600 slug on the fastball. Um, but to me, this is a big enough hole in his profile that I would consider replacing him or not bringing him back. It scares me because as teams have time to pour over these numbers and adjust and try to understand and figure out who it is that they're facing. If I'm an advanced scout for another team and I'm scouting the Mariners, I'm telling my coaching staff, do not throw Mike Ford a fastball. Sorry, do not do it. Uh, He's fungible to me, right? I think there are other players that exist in baseball that can do similar things as Mike Ford. Um, And the Mariners, I do not believe, need to be cost-conscious uh, to the extent where you're keeping Mike Ford over somebody else who has more upside potential. Would I take him as a bat, a left-handed bat at the very end of my bench as a pinch hitter? Absolutely, I would. But as a regular, um, to me, he's more of a second division type of guy. I could see him on the Angels, uh, that type of team, uh, you know, the White Sox, some of those teams who aren't, necessarily competing next season I could see him getting time with them but as a Mariner getting lots of at-bats um, I do not think the Mariners should offer him arbitration I think you let him go we know what he is he is 31 years old um, and it's pretty clear uh, who he is as a player I did give him an A- minus because he very much exceeded I think any ex- major league expectations that anybody had of him uh, the minus is only because uh, he didn't hit for a very high average and he doesn't really play defense. Dominic Canzone, 26 years old, acquired in the Paul Seawall trade, left-handed hitter, 6'1", 190, uh, listed as an out corner outfielder and a first baseman. He hit 220, 258, 657 OPS on the season in the major leagues, 180, 182 plate appearances, six home runs. 4.4% walk rate, but his walk rates in the minors were consistently in the double digits. Only struck out 17.6% of the time. That is a very low strikeout rate for a hitter that hits the ball as hard as he does. 89.7 mile an hour average exit velocity, 12% barrel rate, 43% hard hit rate. Uh, he hit a 237 batting average of balls in play that brought his average down quite a bit. Uh, he hit the fastball very well, 319 average, 653 slug. Uh, he chases a lot more than league average. It is a smaller sample size, 182 plate appearances, but 41.8% chase rate is more than 13% higher than league average. Chases a ton. At least he did in this you know, 40% of a season that he played. Chase contact, however, 60.6% chase contact rate is higher than league average, almost 3%. So yes, he chases a ton, but he makes contact on those balls that he chases. He swing, he swung a lot, 7.3% above league average. Um, so a really interesting profile because he hits the ball so hard and he has very good hand-eye coordination, obviously, in that he chases a lot, but makes a lot of contact. I gave him a C but I also is kind of incomplete, like a C slash incomplete, because I don't think we really got to see who he is. And his numbers did not match up with what he did in the minor leagues. Uh, what is he? 
I think he is a higher average, potentially 20 home run first baseman or corner outfielder and a player that you want to have on your team. I think he, if he's given 450 plate appearances next season, I think you see something close to what the Mariners got from Ty France in 21 and 22. So in, under my synopsis and my notes, I said that his age, meaning he's right in his prime at 26, his batted ball metrics, the fact that he's right around 90 miles an hour average exit velocity, that he's barreling it up at 12%, those sorts of things. And his contact ability, the fact that he doesn't strike out a ton, says that he should at minimum be a strong side platoon bat, first base corner outfield DH next season. I would give him... 450 plate appearances, maybe more. He hit well in the minor leagues. He's got great contact skills, which is very much what the Mariners are seeking this offseason. Jerry Depoto has already talked about the fact that they're, the Mariners struck out so much, and that was really an Achilles heel of the offense. And so a player like Canzone fits what the Mariners are looking for, putting the ball in play. The eye test to me in the outfield said that he was horrible. I know he made some spectacular plays, but again, I made the argument that they were spectacular because he was slow and because he got bad jumps and not because he was getting to anything that other outfielders wouldn't. But I'm giving him an extended look. I mean, by that, I mean like two years of 450 plate appearances plus. I'm hitting him against righties. I'm going to see if he can hit lefties. I would put him at first base. That's just me. Unless I could sign a big name free agent, I'm putting him at first base. If you have hit he and Ty France and Ken Zone, you can sprinkle in in left field, right field, also at DH. In Ty France, you're sitting against tough right-handers potentially. I think you have something there. And so Ken Zone, I'm excited about. And I think that, again, he needs to have 450 plate appearances. We need to know what it is what he would produce with that kind of extended time because the batted ball metrics say that he's going to hit for power. Moving on to the potential free agents uh, in this class, there's not, there's not a whole heck of a lot to get excited about. Um, Joey Votto said that he wants to come back. Joey Votto's old. Josh Bell, Max Muncy, who I think is going to resign with the Dodgers. Mark Kana, Joey Gallo, strikes out way too much, doesn't hit 200. Brandon Belt's 35 years old. CJ Cron can't hit outside of Colorado. Carlos Santana's a cheerleader. Matt Carpenter is washed and kind of similar to Ford. G-Man Choi bounced around a lot. Garrett Cooper, Yuli Gurriel, those are your free agent first baseman. You can include uh, Cody Bellinger in that. If you want, I think Cody Bellinger would be a waste at first base for any team signing him. I think he's a great center fielder. I also think he's going to a big market team. I think you see him go to San Francisco, the Yankees, or stays in Chicago. Um, He's a very good player. I think the Mariners are wise to use their resources elsewhere. Um, Doesn't mean I'm not a fan of Bellinger. I just think that given the resources that the Mariners have, I would like to see them use them elsewhere. Uh, So those are really the first basemen who are available. And none of those names 
really stand out to me other than Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins was out for the year. Uh, he injured his knee really bad. It was a really heartbreaking injury for the Phillies. Uh, but Reese Hoskins is a power bat. Reese Hoskins is a, an impact bat that I think would look phenomenal in the Mariners lineup, probably hitting fifth. If you believe Cal Raleigh is a number four hitter, I think Hoskins as your five would look great. Uh, he does strike out a lot. He doesn't necessarily fit the mold that the Mariners are looking for in terms of increasing their contact this offseason. You know, he's kind of a 150 to 170 strikeout type of hitter when given um, given a full number of at-bats in a season. He's been in that mid-20s percentile rate or percent range uh, strikeout-wise. However, he's going to be a, he's going to be 30 years old heading into this season or 30, close to 31. But in the last five years, his home run totals, 34 home runs in 18, 29 in 19, 10 in a, in a COVID shortened 2020, 27 home runs in 21 and 30 in 22. Sport track that does salaries has predicted an $18.3 million uh, salary or value for Reese Hoskins. Uh, uh, Philadelphia online newspaper, Sports Talk Philly, predicted a contract for Reese Hoskins this offseason of four years, $71.9 million, which would be at $17.9 million AAV. I would pay that as the Mariners for Reese Hoskins, 100%. He would give you close to 30 home runs, hit in the 245, 250 range. Um, But I think he would provide enough thump that it would make it worth it. Is he the perfect signing for the Mariners? No, I don't think so. But that's why he costs you $18 million instead of 40. Uh, Again, not perfect, but I think the best out of the options that I see. Uh, I like Josh Bell. I think Josh Bell is a similar player to Ty France, a contact over power sort of hitter. He hit 247, 325, 419 slug this season between Cleveland and Miami. Uh, He hit 22 home runs, did have a 10% walk rate, so he is – this last season was part it was slightly better than uh Ty France. And then when he was with Miami, he hit eleven home runs and two hundred and twenty-four plate appearances with a four eighty slug. So Josh Bell is thirty-one years old, um, slightly older than Ty France. I think you would get a slightly better player than Ty France, uh, but you would also be paying more. If I'm gonna pay as a Mar- as the Mariners, if I'm gonna pay 15 to 20 million dollars a year for a player. I think I would take Hoskins over Bell at this point. I also think it's worth adding that, you know, as a fan, you don't want to think this way, but you're talking about a $10 million difference going from Ty France to Josh Bell or Reese Hoskins. And I think that the production difference between a good Ty France year, which is why you would sign him, and Hoskins or Bell is not worth $10 million. You're talking about 
less average, slightly more power um, from Hoskins and probably very similar production uh, from Josh Bell with slightly worse defense. So trade candidates, the criteria that I came up with for trade candidates, uh, do they hit for power? Because I think that's what we're lacking from Ty France. What is their contact ability? Because it, it is a priority for the Mariners to not bring in high strikeout types of players. I think they want to put the ball in play a lot more. And then the question that I ask is, is this player worth giving up pitching resources for? I say that because that's going to be what every team asks for from the Mariners. Yes, they can ask for Cole Young, Cole Emerson, those types of players. Yes, we might see one of those guys included in a deal for a hitter. But the primary piece in any trade for a bat is likely Logan Gilbert, Bryce Miller, or Brian Wu. There's just no way around it. That's what they're going to ask for. That's what they're going to demand. That's what every other team wants from the Mariners. So when I, again, I queried players who uh, hit, first baseman who hit 250 with uh, 12 or more home runs. And I started to go down the list of uh, first basemen just in general, players that I think might be uh, acquirable. And, you know, there's some good names on here. There's no doubt. Yandy Diaz had a great year for Tampa Bay. 600 plate appearances, 22 homers, 330 with a 932 OPS, walks a ton. Um, But he's also 31 years old. And his history says that the 22 home runs may not last, right? He was a high average, high on base percentage uh, hitter that hit the ball into the ground over and over again. And so at that age, given his history of uh, a lack of power, I don't, I would not give up pitching for Yandy Diaz. I understand he had a great year last season. I understand that a, a, 900 plus OPS is not easy to find. I don't think that's the his true talent. I don't think that's who he is as a player. Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt had a good year. 19 home runs, 404 plate appearances, 858 OPS. But he's 35 years old. And I think what he did last season is what you're hoping for or looking for from Dominic Canzone at a much lesser price. Josh Naylor. Uh, Josh Naylor has very extreme platoon splits for a baseman, Cleveland Guardians. Uh, I think what he did last year is pretty much his upside. He is 26 and in his prime, he hit 17 home runs in 495 plate appearances, 308, 842 OPS. I like Naylor. It's still a no. I just question what is his true upside. If you're trading for those numbers, is that something you can get? something you can get close to with Ty France. You wouldn't get that from France, but I'd rather have France and the pitcher than trading for Naylor. Spencer Steer, everyone's favorite Spencer Steer. Not a great prospect when he was traded to the Reds from uh, the Twins. He is 26 years old with the Reds this season. He put up a 118 WRC plus, 23 home runs, 15 steals. Sounds great, right? 665 plate appearances. 
Same number of plate appearances as Ty France. So while his counting stats aren't bad, I don't think he has upside that you want to trade great pitching for. And his WRC plus in this year where everyone said Spencer Steer was outstanding is still less than the WRC plus that Ty France put up in 21 and 22. I would rather gamble on Ty France going to driveline or something like it and getting his mojo back than I would giving up a one of my starting five for Spencer Steer. Christian Encarnacion Strand, big power, 23 years old, right-handed power hitter in the same trade as Spencer Steer, Cincinnati Reds, doesn't walk, 112 WRC plus this season for the Reds. So you're going from a high average, low power hitter that doesn't walk in Ty France to a high power, low average hitter that doesn't walk in, in Christian Encarnacion Strand. No, thank you. Brandon Drury, free agent signing of the Los Angeles Angels last offseason. Uh, Brandon Drury is a player the Mariners absolutely should have signed. 30 years old now, 523 plate appearances, 26 home runs. He hit 262 with an 803 OPS. That is exactly the player that the Mariners need at first base. If you had Drury plus Canzone and Drury sat against against difficult right-handed pitching, man, Mariners would be in a really good spot and they wouldn't be spending a ton of money for him. I believe his contract was something like, you know, low 20s million over two years. They wouldn't have been paying him that much, barely more than what Francis do in arbitration. I just, that's one that I really, truly regret for the Mariners that they did not sign him. But that said, I believe Brandon Drury is gettable from the Angels because the Angels are going through a big rebuild. Offer the Angels Classe and one other, you know, kind of decent prospect. I think they would do it. I honestly like a Walter Ford and Jonathan Classe for Brandon Drury. That's almost too much to pay. But if I'm the Mariners, I do that in a heartbeat. And I insert Brandon Drury at first base and I go from there. He also can play some second base. He can play some third base. I think you get him to be your first baseman and you let him hit. But if you got that kind of production, 26 homers in 500 plate appearances with a uh, 800 plus OPS, man, you go get him in a heartbeat. So from an affordability standpoint uh, and a power standpoint, I'm going to get Brandon Drury fits me. Other names on this list of that I queried, Ryan O'Hearn, Justin Turner, Lamont Way Jr., Ryan Mountcastle, Andrew Vaughn, Garrett Cooper, Dominic Smith. I don't think any of them are good enough upgrades to trade from your quality pitching to acquire. Uh, I don't think they're bad players. I think there's some upside with Vaughn, probably Mountcastle as well, who was really impacted by the defenses moving back in Baltimore. Um, but I would rather, I think, gamble on Ty France getting better and maintaining uh, the chemistry and kind of knowing what you have in France than going after one of those guys and giving up a, a rotation piece. I tried to make a list of the first baseman that I would that I would trade consider trading Logan Gilbert 
Bryce Miller or Brian Wu for. And when I go down the list of first basemen that were queried, obviously it wouldn't be straight up for these guys. But the only ones who I would really consider are Matt Olson, Freddie Freeman, Bryce Harper, Tristan Casas, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And then I put LOL at the end of my notes because I know those guys aren't aren't uh, gettable. The point being, when you start to look at the first baseman in baseball, and you start to think about, you start to consider age. You know, Christian Walker hit 33 home runs in an 830 OPS, but he's 32. And Arizona values him very highly. You would have to give a, a big, big piece to acquire Christian Walker. And I don't think he's good enough to give up that big pitching piece. Other names. Nathaniel Lowe, not being traded by the Rangers. Don't love him anyways, right? Uh, who am I missing here? Casas is a great young Good-looking first baseman for the Red Sox. They're not dealing him. Wilmer Flores, 26 or 23 home runs, 863 OPS for the Giants. Could you get him? Maybe. Do you think Wilmer Flores is going to put up another year like that at age 32? I'm not quite sure, right? So when you start to look at free agency and the names in free agency, like Josh Bell, Reese Hoskins, you think to yourself, and you compare them to Ty France, and you think about salary, you start to realize that, in my opinion, I might rather have count on a bounce back from Ty France and couple him with a left-handed bat like Dominic Canzone than actually spending more money on a player like Hoskins or Bell. You look at trades. There are some trades. Some of those names that I brought up would be Good names to have, right? Yandy Diaz, huge season last season. I don't trust that that's who he is, and you would have to give up a pretty penny to acquire him. Brandon Belt's too old. Josh Naylor, does he have upside to be a much better player than Ty France? I don't believe so. Spencer Steer, very similar player to France in many ways. Counting stats are because of plate appearances, not because of true talent. Christian Encarnacion Strand, I don't think he's a real prospect, to be honest. I know people will disagree. I don't love him. I think he's power over hit, too many strikeouts. Brandon Drury is the one player who I can unequivocally say, yes, I would go out and acquire. Because, A, I don't think he would require young pitching to, to get. And, and B, I just I think he's an upgrade. There's not a lot out there. So unless you're getting Drury or maybe signing Hoskins, I think the Mariners' best move in conclusion, is to actually stick with Ty France. I can't believe I'm saying that because I trashed him all year long and he drove me freaking crazy. But there's not a lot out there unless you start looking at converting a corner outfielder to be a first baseman. I think you offer Ty France arbitration. I know Mariners fans are going to hate hearing me say this because everybody wants them to go out and spend a bajillion dollars. But if you're being fiscally responsible in the way that I think Mariners ownership requires of Jerry DePoto, I think you stick with France, you offer him arbitration, you sign him to that $7.2 million arbitration year for 2024, you pair him with Canzone at first base, you let Mike Ford go or re-sign him to a minor league contract, 
you instruct Thai France to go to driveline or something similar, work on hitting line drives and not home runs, want to see you become a 300 hitter hitting 20 home runs, and let him prove himself. I do think that you need to, as a Mariners front office, have a backup plan in case he does tank in the first couple of months. Um, I don't think it's difficult to find a right-handed hitting first baseman that can that can hit lefties to pair with Canzone. Um, it could be someone like a Garrett Cooper. Uh, it could be a Brandon Drury. You could even, you know, gamble on someone like an Andrew Vaughn, former number three pick of the White Sox. But I think the Mariners are stuck with Ty France. And if he is the 21, 2022 player, that's not the worst case scenario. When you start to look at the numbers at first base throughout the major leagues, you realize that getting the Ty France of a couple of years ago is, isn't the worst case scenario. So I know that's a little grim. I know I gave him a D for his 2023 season. Uh, I think Dominic Canzone is a part of this uh, equation. I also think that if you get two arbitration years before Ty France's free agency of decent, you know, production, WRC plus in the 120s, then you move on when he becomes a free agent to Tyler Locklear and potentially Lazaro Montes at that point in time. So there are players on the way. I think Locklear is probably a year away and Montes is probably three years away, maybe two, if you really pushed it. But a couple of years of 120, 125, 130 WRC plus from Ty France can help the Mariners win a championship. A year like last year with the 103 or 104 WRC plus will not. Ty France, go to driveline, get better, do what J.P. Crawford did, earn your money, we'll take you back, maybe. Check back with me in a couple of months and see if my tune has changed. But from what I see from this mark, from this free agent market and trade market, given what it would require the Mariners to give up, I'm offering Ty France arbitration. I'm moving Dominic Canzone to first base, and I'm rolling with those guys. I'm spending my resources elsewhere. Thank you for listening to the first base evaluation. Uh, version of the Mariners cast. We are presented to you by Sports Ethos. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0 in the podcast at Ethos Mariners. E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. I will be back on Monday with the second base evaluation grades, free agency uh, candidates, trade candidates, all of that good stuff. We'll be back with second base on Monday and we will do third base next Friday. Thanks again for listening. Again, my name is Tino Ganassius. This is the Mariners cast. I believe this is Mariners cast number 100. Pretty awesome. Take care y'all. Enjoy that weekend. Enjoy the Huskies versus the Ducks. NFL on Sunday. Life is good. Take care y'all. Peace.